0: Ah, oh, wow. It's good to see everyone, and welcome, welcome. I pray you all had a great week. If you may pardon me, it's a bit cold, someone knows it's a bit, you know. <laughs> But I'm getting warmer, amen? amen. Uh, I'm enjoying, you know, just teaching this, and I, and I hope you're enjoying it yourself. Yeah? I, um, I once read a quote and it said, if you want to learn something, read about it, if you, want to, if you want to understand something, write about it,
1: and if you want to master something,
0: teach it. And I thought, wow, you know, as I've started to teach this, I've just fallen in love with the scripture, just fallen in love with the letters and, and what we're teaching is something that I'm really, really enjoying and I wish that I'd have given the opportunity to preach all of the letters. <laughs> So I thank God for for this opportunity that Pastor Phil has given me just to teach this and share this with you because it's really helped me grow and understand his word. Amen. But how many of us know that you don't have to stand in front of the pulpit to teach something? Amen. This is something that we can do at home and share scriptures with one another as we as we eat, as we pray at home. We can always challenge one another. If today's my turn, tomorrow is your turn. What you teach me today, you master it. And what I teach you today, I'll master it. Amen. Hallelujah. So today we're covering uh, the sixth letter. That is the, uh, the letter to the, uh, to the church in Philadelphia. Amen. And before we go into that, just a quick recap of what we, uh, we learned last week. So last week we did... Uh, learn about the church in Pergamos, mm. And we did learn that uh, Pergamos was a thriving city. It was a growing city. Uh, it was the city at the, at the center of Greek culture, also and education. And we also learned that the, the, chiefs, the chief god was Asclepius, who was the god of healing. So people came from all over the world just to, to learn about medicine and healing. From this very place, amen. And there's some key lessons that we, we covered that we learned uh, last week, and the first one was that God knows where we are. God knows where you are. God knows where I am. God has His eyes on His church, and God knows we are here, we are gathering in His presence. Amen. And the second thing that we learned was that it's important to remain steadfast. It's important to remain devoted as we read. Um, as we read the scripture uh, from verse 12, Revelation 2 verse 12 we learned that it's very very important you know, that regardless of what's going on around us regardless of what's going on outside there, it's important uh, to stay steadfast and strong in Christ because God loves that Amen and another thing that we learned was that there is no room for compromise serving God and either worship doesn't go hand in hand it is something that God hates. It is something that is against. And it's important to understand that there is no room for compromise. We can't mix cultures. This is God's kingdom. And what we learned from this special, powerful book is God's Word. Amen? And it can't be compromised. And the last thing that we learned was that God's Word comes with a promise and a reward to all His children who are victorious and everyone who is victorious. In all that's needed in following Christ, amen? amen. So, we really covered that in broad detail, and I really would like to encourage you to take notes because as we are covering these letters, we're not covering them in the order that they are written in the book of Revelation. You see, um, we are covering them as we go. Uh, so, this is the sixth one, uh, the church of uh, that we're covering today, the church of Philadelphia. So I really, really would like to encourage you to, to take some notes if you can, because once we're done with them it will make sense and you can see. Uh, there is, there is a, a historical timeline to the way these letters were written and also if you look at uh, the map of Asia Minor in modern-day Turkey that, you know, in which these letters were written to at that time, there is an order to which these cities are geographically. you know. Apostle order in which when they were posting letters They would go on a certain route So if you are to draw a circle You'd come all the way around So they'll go all the way around So there is a significance and there's a reason why They are listed the way they are in the Bible We're not covering them in the same way Hence why I highly recommend You take notes so when you study them at your own time It can all come together Amen So let us turn our Bibles to uh, Revelation 3 We'll be reading from verse 7 thirteen. Also, one other thing I would encourage you as we learn these verses, seven of them, we do bring our Bibles, um, the way we're covering them, we're sort of starting them and we're covering them uh, verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and it's very ideal that we do have our Bibles and we can read as we go along. Amen? So, I will read from verse seven, and it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Verse 8, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not but allies, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Amen. And verse 10 says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Mm. The one who is victorious... Wow, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. Now, if there's the first thing that after reading that we suddenly realize is that God has nothing against this church. I think for me that's something that immediately stands out. Like, All well, right, okay, we cover the church of Pergamos and instantly, you know, God says, somewhere in the middle of the verses, He says, however, I have this against you. But with this Church of Philadelphia, there's nothing. It's more or less filled with promises. But just a bit of background on um, Philadelphia. The term itself means brotherly love. It is referred to as the awakened church. The awakened church. And I'm not surprised with what's written in the scripture why it's called the Awakened Church. And you, one thing that you will notice as we cover the church as well is that there is a sort of a name or every church is known for something. So the one that we covered last week was, uh, was also known as the Church that Compromised. So this is the Awakened Church. And it was founded by the citizens of Pergamos. Uh, the ruins can still be found in the province of Manisa in modern-day Turkey today. Hmm... So this is a letter that carries a lot of promises. I actually love this church. When I look at it, I'm like, okay, this is awesome. You know, God writes a letter. And we did learn from the first time Pastor Phil shared the importance of letters. And God just, you know, gives this vision to John. And he says, okay, write this letter to the church of Philadelphia. And he has nothing against them. And I'm actually wondering what they did, write, Because this is kind of the church that we want to be. I want to be in this church. That when God sees, it just promises. He just pulls out his promises and says, I will keep you. I will do this and that. And I will do all of this to you because you've remained in me. So we'll look at that and hopefully we'll actually cover the reasons uh, and and we can see why God really had to to write such strong promises to them. And And I think one of the first things that we can see from there is that this is a church that actually had um, a lot of evangelists this is a church that should have had teachers and missionaries in them for them to actually do the will of god and to actually accomplish everything that god has spoken and god wants us to do i totally believe that they must have had strong evangelists amongst them they must have had teachers amongst them and missionaries amongst them so let's look at the lessons that we can learn and we just call them as we as we see as it is written from verse seven, and it says, "These are the words of Him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What He opens, no one can shut; and what He shuts, no one can open." And verse eight says, "I know your deeds. I know your deeds." And that comes with a full stop on there, and it just says, "I know your deeds." And it's very plain and simple to me that God knows our deeds. He knows our actions. He watches over us. And He knows, and He sees how we carry ourselves. And this is very, very important. How we carry ourselves. How we, we carry and usher His presence. What we do. How we pray. How we fast. How we really carry ourselves. And, and, and we can see that with what He says next. He says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. of your deeds. Because of your deeds. Which means that these guys responded very, very well to the Word of God. They must have responded very, very well to His Word. And God is always willing to show compassion and pour His grace to those who listen and do His will. God is always willing to bless His children, those that do His will. He's already willing. And why do we think He talks about does, in that sense? I think it's because it holds the key. Because it holds the key to the kingdom. And when I read just that passage alone, it reminds me of the, um, the Ninevite people uh, and the story of Jonah. Let's just look at a few verses. We'll go to Jonah 3, verse 10. As I read that, I'm like, okay... Okay, okay, God, when you talk about deeds, what really do you mean? What really do you mean when you talk about deeds? Only? Just because of what they did, it a blessing. And it just reminded me of the story of Jonah. Let's have a look. Here we go. I just read a few verses and I'll summarize. From, verse, uh, from chapter 3, it says Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. Straight away. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put a sackcloth when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to the people of Nineveh by, de- by the decree of the king and his nobles. This is the decree. He says, Do not let, oh, let people, animals, herds, or flocks taste anything, he declared a fast. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them give up all their evils, all their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And let's see what happens in verse 10. It says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amen. These guys were quick to hear the word of God. They were wicked people and God God sent a message saying, in 40 days I will destroy all of you. And as soon as they heard the word of God they turned from their ways, they declared a fast even the animals had to fast. And when God saw their deeds he relented. They he said, okay, I will not destroy you. Now I've got a strong feeling that these guys really knew how to carry the presence of God. When they heard the word of God, they did it to their best. And when it was time to fast, they fasted. When it was time to pray, they prayed. When it was time to evangelize, they did evangelize. When it was time to pray, they prayed. I believe that's why when it says, I know your deeds. He was looking at what they did as a church. He had studied them and looked at what they did collectively together. He said, he's right. I have nothing against you. Instead, I will place an open door before you that no one can shut. Wow. Amen. I love that. I love this church. I love this church. I'm going to read on. The, the, the last part of verse 80 says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, the second lesson that we learn from that is that it's important to stay strong. And I think, I, I just look at the way really that's written. When, when God says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And to look at that perspectively, I really had to reverse that and say, okay, if I have little strength, then it must be easy not to keep God's word. And it must be easy to deny his name. Surely it must be. Because he says, I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. When time gets tough, how easy is it to say, oh, I don't know, I don't know God. I mean, we remember Peter, right? As strong as he was, <laughs> as close as he was to Jesus, hey, the time came. And say, Hey, we know you. You was with him, were not you? He said, No. <laughs> I don't know him. He denied him three times. And that was Peter. What about us? But this church wasn't so. regardless of how tough it was during that time. <laughs> regardless of the little strength that they had within them. The little spiritual strength that they had during that time. They kept his word. And they never denied his name. That's something to learn from that church, isn't it? And I love that. And Jesus loves that. He points it out. And he says, hey, well done. You haven't denied me. You've kept my word. Mm. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why is that? Because he will renew their strength. And as they hoped in him, he renewed their strength. And as they renewed their strength, it was easier for them to keep his word. As they renewed their strength, it was easier for them not to deny his name. They hoped in him at all times. Despite the persecution, they held on to his word. And they never denied him because he renewed their strength. Amen. Amen. And the third thing that we learn is that we should endure patiently. I'll read on. I really began to fall in love with this this church and I'm like, wow, okay, these scriptures really are, they're nicely laid out as we look at them. And it says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. And as I look at that, it's very simple really that when it comes to enduring patiently, that is a command that is sort of a law that God states. It's a command. It's a command to endure patiently. Mm. Just like Jesus did. He at the cross, right? Let's turn to Hebrews 12, verse 2. He enjoyed the cross. He expects us to do the same. Hebrews 12, verse 2. I love this. And it says... I'm reading from the NIV, by the way. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. And as we see, you know, from that, from that scripture, after enduring the cross, and after scorning, it, scorning its shame, He is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a reward for enduring, patiently. There's a reward for enduring. And hence why endurance comes as a command. He wants us to endure, He commands us to endure. To keep going despite of the tough times, to keep going. To keep going, to keep pushing forward, to keep His promises written in us, and to keep on moving forward. I like what it also says in Romans uh, two, verse seven. The Scripture encourages us over and over again to endure and to persevere, to endure and to persevere, simply because it's not easy. If it was, He wouldn't be here, would it? Let's look at Romans 2, verse 7. Thank you, Lord. And it says, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Who by persistence, who by endurance, who keep going and doing good and seeking his glory, honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. There is that promise again. I will give you eternal life. I will give you eternal life. As you endure, there is a reward. I will give you eternal life. Hmm. I've got a few more scriptures for you. I might not be able to read all of them. Um, But another one that I have for you is Romans 15, verse 5. Over and over again. We're encouraged to endure. Encouraged to endure. Keep going, my children. For once you endure, I'll give you a reward. I have a reward for you. I have a reward for you, he says. I have a reward for you. Romans 15, verse 5. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Now, from there, where does that endurance and encouragement come from? It comes from God. It comes from God. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. So we seek Him for that endurance. We seek Him for that perseverance. And we seek Him for that encouragement. For it comes from Him. It comes from Him. He says, I will also keep you from the power of trial. Amongst many other promises. I'll keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. And for those of you that are taking notes, I'll give you Colossians 1, verse 11, just to write down. I won't be able to read it because of time. Also, I'll give you Romans 12, verse 2. Actually, we haven't read that. So Romans 12, verse 2 also Hebrews 10:36 and James 2 to 3 mm. He's a God of promises So much promises for this church. I read from verse 11. It says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And as I look at verse 12, when there again we see that term again, the one who is victorious, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And that stood out for me. I really loved that. And it says, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And I said, okay, pillar, really, what does, what does it mean to be a pillar? And it dawned on me, By pillar, he meant leaders. It says, to the one who is victorious, I will make a leader in the temple of my God. And it says, it mentions the word pillar in so many, you know, so many scriptures across the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament. We know that when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, he sent a pillar of cloud. I mean, a pillar is something that that God loves as a symbol of strength, you know. If you, if you think about the, the, the temples back in the day when they were building them in the olden times, they had pillars. It wasn't like nowadays. We do. We have walls a lot more than we do pillars. <laughs> I wonder why. Pillars were a lot more common back then. Pillar in every corner and a few pillars in the middle. If not just one in the middle, just holding the entire roof. So he says, I will make a pillar in the temple of my I will make you a pillar. And I, and I, and I realize, okay, right. What is our mission? Our mission is to raise leaders. This is where it comes from. It is God's desire for every single one of us to be leaders in His temple. That is actually His desire that every single one of us will be leaders. But there is a condition you have to be victorious first. You have to be victorious first. You have to endure first and work your way backwards to what you've studied. And you realize that for God to make you a pillar in his temple, there are certain conditions. But what I love most about it is that it is his desire that every single one of us will serve in his house. It is desire that every single one of us will lead in his house one way or another. It is his desire that every single one of us will lead in his house so many different forms. He's given us so many gifts and talents. You know, he's poured something in you. He's poured something in you. He's poured something in you. That's different to what is poured in me. If you don't lead in your area, who <coughs> will? His desire is to make you a pillar in his house. And I said, okay, let me just look for a scripture where at least I can see, I can really tie this up too. Um, And let's turn to um, Galatians 2 verse 9 and let's see what Paul said. I personally love Paul's story. I I, I often think of Paul and I think, wow, it must have been difficult for him (laughs) after he gets served. And he has to hang around with these guys that he was persecuting before that. It was tough, but I I get a feeling from this verse that he, he looked up to these guys. He really respected these guys. Let's look at uh, Galatians 2, verse, verse 9. And I'll just read that extract. It says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, see that word again, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, meaning him and Barnabas, and they, to the circumcised. So he recognizes James, Cephas and John that, okay, these guys are leaders. They were esteemed as leaders, they were ordained as leaders. Esteemed as pillars. And I get the sense that he was humbled. But the fact that they recognized the gift that he had. And they prayed together. They spoke about it. And they agreed. That okay, fair enough. Okay, we do believe that you should go to the Gentiles. We do believe that's your calling. That you should go to the Gentiles. We, the rest of us, will go to the circumcised, but you go to the Gentiles. A humbling moment for him. Amen. Mm. God wants to mark us As we look at the rest of, of the last passage He says I will write on them the name of my God And the name of the city of my God The new Jerusalem Which is coming down out of heaven For my God God wants to put a mark on you And say this is my child this one is my own this one will be untouchable this one will be untouchable and i'll say this as we close if we can all please stand god wants to mark us god wants to esteem us as leaders god wants to esteem us god wants to raise us god wants to He wants us to serve as strong pillars in His house. And as we pray this afternoon, I just want us to pray just a simple prayer. God, use me. 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 Use me, oh God. Use me, Heavenly Father. I'm here to serve you, Lord. I'm here to serve you, God. I give myself away. I give myself away, Lord. I gave myself away that you can use me, Lord. I gave myself away, Heavenly Father, that you can use me, Heavenly Father. I'm serving your house, oh God. For it is your will, oh God, that I serve as a pillar in your house. It is your with Heavenly Father that I serve in your house as a pillar, God. You want to strengthen me, Heavenly Father, that I can be somebody in your house. That I can be somebody you can rely on in your house, Heavenly Father. You want to call me, Your God. You want to strengthen me, Heavenly Father, and bring me further into what I'm doing. You want to use me, Heavenly Father. Use me, Heavenly Father. Just pray with me. Use me, Your God. Use me, Heavenly Father. Use me, Heavenly Father. Use me heavenly father. I gave myself away. 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 So you can use me, my So you can use me, So you can use me, my Lord. Use me, Heavenly Father. You want to put your mark on me, God? Put your mark on me, Heavenly Father. He wants to put a mark on me just to call you His own so you can put a and net around you, fire around you that no one can touch you, that the enemy will not touch you. Let the enemy complain. And the devil complain and say, Ha. Ah. you're surrounding this guy. You're protected." Why? May you be untouchable. May you be untouchable. May you be strong in all that you do. May you be strong in your speech. May you be strong in your character. May you be strong in all that you say. May you be strong in how you carry yourself. May you be strong in reading his words. May you be strong in praying. May you be strong in interceding. Oh God. 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 Oh God.